Welcome, one and all, to another episode of the Close Encounters of the Nerdkind Podcast. My name's Imran, TJ Sutherland, Dan Colacott, with new episodes released on the first and third Mondays of the month. Catch Close Encounters of the Nerdkind Podcast at foreverinelectricdreams.com. Welcome, friends. You're tuned in to another episode of Close Encounters of the Time Podcast. Uh, thank you very much for tuning in. We massively appreciate your time and your company on today, our milestone episode. My name is Imran. I have the absolute pleasure of introducing uh, Daniel J. Colicott and TJ Sutherland to our 50th episode. What? what? That's pretty cool, right? I, I, I like the way you kept that quiet until just now. <laughs> <laughs> I totally was not ready for that announcement. <laughs> We did well, yeah. We did forty nine uh, uh, recently, and I remember thinking, "Oh my gosh!" So the next one is is the big five zero. So I thought, "Yeah." So that's that's, that's pretty cool. Wow. I think we've done very well. I feel like we should have done a more spectacular topic than <laughs> what would have been a good topic. To what would have been a good topic? Uh, top fifty Christmas uh, songs. No top. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would have been top actually 50, the perfect topic. Actually, <laughs> top fifty worst intros that oh, TJ's my done. Gosh. That's yeah. pretty much all of them, to be fair. There's just, just too many. <laughs> Top 50 car crash intros. Yeah, I think out of the 50, we've got a good, like, seven or eight, like, good episodes. So I think we should be... <laughs> I think what we should be proud. I'm going to retire. Damn. <laughs> the episodes are fine. It's just the intros that I just I crash and burn on. That's, that's, no, but that's you, well, you, you've switched thinking. it around, though, because you've had the, the cool names now that you're kind of doing for for intros yeah that's right i had some fucking absolute shockers in the early days (laughs) (laughs) some clever editing by imran has saved my saved my behind more than once (laughs) (laughs) well i guess uh from uh you know i guess from me to you both certainly i I, yeah massively enjoying doing these so uh so i think 50 is really you know uh you know noteworthy so i'm oh. gonna applaud us and say i think we've done we've done a reasonably good job so hopefully <laughs> <laughs> great okay uh pep talk there Coach. thanks for that <laughs> we almost did it oh okay <laughs> it was it was adequate, it was yeah. adequate. <laughs> there's, there's yeah we're on the good c minus there's real room for improvement but it's not disaster <laughs> Wow. I'm joking, I'm joking. Do you, do, you to, do you want to get this train moving? Because you're, you're depressing the Actually, crap yeah. out of me now. Let's, let's just waste, not waste time and just turn it off now. We will be another... No, this will be a good episode. I'm, I'm enthused about this episode. Um, uh, today uh, kind of sees us explore our kind of personal connections to um, uh, genre fiction and the source material uh, of which it comes from. So we're kind of running the gamut. It's going to be a a, a quite a broad and all-encompassing episode where we're going to probably start off just with some small minuscule annoying things when we have the complete uh, protection uh, of of the rules of the podcast so we can be as as annoyed by minuscule kind of changes um that uh, i don't know michael bay may have made uh in his kind of reinventions of transformers How or ninja turtles speak his name he was going to come up i'm sure it was gonna, um yeah, but we're going to kind of move from there on to sort of more broader um um uh, topics kind of uh kind of reflecting more social issues about recasting of um, uh, race, uh, gender, sexuality, and just kind of looking at like 
the, the sort of sometimes the extreme reactions uh, that there have been to certain things um, like in the Marvel Universe or Ghostbusters and, and things like that. So it's yeah, it is quite a broad uh, topic, but uh, I think it's lots of fun to be had with it as well. So uh, let me I'm, I'm very intrigued to go to Tej uh, first. Because Tej is the um, well, he's the the, uh, the the diehard, the the comic book enthusiast uh, amongst the three of us. And I was worried um, where you're going there. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did see this. I did okay. Uh, it was it's a compliment. It's a compliment. It's all right. No, it's all right. I'll take it. That's fine. But you're you're incredibly well versed within. Um, kind of uh i guess history of of characters and particularly within comic book realms and marvel and dc etc etc so i i suppose you would go into kind of any of those types of movies with a very clear indication of who the character is in most cases or what you would want from said character so you probably list the whole bunch of things that changes uh within on-screen mm-hmm. versions of a characters that dan and i work not to speak on dan's behalf but that the, the casual watcher yeah. would completely miss so do you when you kind of go into something um like that are you being very very kind of strict are you a stickler for source material and like no that character shouldn't have done that and that character should be like this etc etc yeah i mean it's tricky right because I, I find i have to I find I'm getting better at checking myself when it comes to that sort of thing because it really can diminish your enjoyment of what is actually, you know, a good fun time out or a good product. If you're sitting there the whole time, rather than just going to be entertained, you're actually sitting there looking for flaws in the product or you're, you know, you're looking out for, you know, did they do this thing right? Did they do that thing right? Um yeah, I, I, I find that I, in, in, my, in my old age, I, I think I'm starting to soften a little bit on um, artistic license and, you know, directors, writers, whatever, taking a few liberties here and there um, to accommodate. Because I, I think the bottom line is not everything is going to necessarily translate one-to-one from a comic or from an anime to a live action or even from an older film to a modern film with modern sensibilities. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's tough. I I think a lot of it is also um, emotionally driven as well, depending on how much you are a lover of the source material of something. So as an example, um, Cowboy Bebop, the live version adaptation came out on netflix recently and both yourself and dan i don't know if actually i'm not sure dan i think you said you may have seen a couple of episodes of the anime um but obviously that was adapted from an anime to uh, a live action uh show and i know a lot of because it because the anime has a real strong cult following you know people that are diehard cowboy bebop fans and loved it it's an it's amazing show 100% 100% go check it out if you're if you've got any sort of interest in anime at all um <clears throat> but a lot of the fans didn't even give it a chance out of the block you know before they even saw a trader or any sort of images they were like no nah, why are they doing this why are they touching that you know it's horrible bad idea yada 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 and to be fair anime has got a really poor history of being translated to live action shows you know Death Note was terrible. 
Ghost in the Shell was poorly received. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a, there's a long list of things that didn't quite work. So I can understand why people are hesitant to, to um, you know, get on board with this stuff or even give this stuff a chance. But yeah, I mean, for me personally, I am trying to give things the benefit of the doubt and give things a chance because... You know, every director, every writer is going to have their own interpretation. And I, I try my best to give things a chance. I mean, there's a few things that I'll take exception to. If they, swear to God, if they ever make a, re, do a remake of Big Trouble in Little China, I'm going to go and kill some people. <laughs> people are going to be getting kneecapped, I swear to God. Um, but yeah, I, I think, I think a lot of, uh, just to finish up what I'm saying, I think a lot of, people's reticence to change or to adaptations or remakes and stuff like that. I think a lot of it comes from emotional attachment to source material. You know, you have that nostalgic love for something you saw as a kid or whatever it is. And, and people are, you know, reticent to let it go or, or to give it up to a new generation of fans or to give it up to a new writer or, a new take on it and um is that a good thing or not uh, i don't know it, it can be quite unhealthy it can it can shut things down and and give potentially fun projects a bad rep before they even get a chance to get out of the gate so so yeah it's funny that were like with something that when they announce a new project that people react like it means it's replacing the old one and the old one ceases to exist, you know? Exactly. And it can just be an opt-in or opt-out kind of thing. It's like, well, you don't have to to engage with it, you know? I mean, this isn't necessarily our conversation, but at the, at the time of this recording, I think uh, Matrix 4 is on the, the kind of the, the, the verge of release. Is it out yet? Or it's... it's 22nd of 22nd, December. Yeah. Right. So, I mean... And it's I, the 12th I, today, yeah. Right. So, I mean, personally, I don't necessarily have any desire to watch it. I'm very curious to know, uh, hmm. you know, if, like if you guys see it and what, what you kind of think of it. And if it appears on Netflix, I'll definitely oh, watch it. We're, do, we're, we're doing a review of that. Don't worry. We're doing a review. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, <laughs> well I, like in terms of... I, obviously, I, I, I'm going to assume we're, we're sort of all on the same level in that we adore the first one. Um, you know, think two and three potentially Completely baffled missed. by the second and third one. Yeah, <laughs> I, I won't go started on the second one, but the second one is a two-hour movie, literally about a guy who has to open a door, and that's the beginning <laughs> and end of the film. And it's funny, and they stretch that premise out for two hours. It's literally you have to open a door. Yeah, I've been dreaming about a door. Yeah, you have to open a door. How do I get the door? You need a key. Where's the keys? So there's a little guy who has the key. You got to get him. He'll he'll give you the key to open a door, and that's the film. That is literally uh, the film. Put sorry, some action uh, sequences uh, and a great at this point. Can, at this point, can we do a uh, spoiler disclaimer for anyone that's not seen <laughs> Matrix Two? I would like to think that if, you've, if you're going to see it, you would have seen it. But like, yeah, two and three, were, I think, were slightly missed opportunity. And well, anyway, but um, but I don't necessarily have any desire to see number four. But it, I, I'm not mad that it exists. I'm not mad at the idea that pe- other people will see it. I'm hoping it's good. I'm hoping it's well received. But yeah, I I don't feel that kind of ah this has happened and now I'm furious as a result of it. Yeah, I mean, just to, sorry, I know I want to twitch it down. Just to chime in on that one, like uh, I'm I'm very much the same. Like I I it boggles my mind how, like you say, people get 
angry to the point of, oh my God, they're going to take the legacy of X movie because they're doing a remake of it. And it's like, but X movie is still there and it's still available for you to watch at any point that nothing about that original movie or, you know, whatever, or your love for that movie has changed. They're just, there's just this new thing that you can either get involved with, or you can just pretend it doesn't exist and it doesn't change your love of the original yeah. source or first or whatever it is, movie or content that was there before. So I, yeah, that, that always makes me laugh when people get heads up to the point where, oh my God, they're going to ruin X franchise because it's like, well, no, the originals are there for you. So I don't yeah. know. Dan, where are you at with uh, the notion of your connection to kind of the source material and people's or the, the creative license to veer away from it or to, to kind of maintain the rules as established from the past? Oh, I mean, it, it's difficult because it depends on how you feel about the source material. Because I remember seeing Constantin with um, Keanu Reeves. And at that point, I hadn't read hellblazer and i saw that film i enjoyed it i thought it was a great film and then i remember reading a lot of the kind of critical appraisals and and a lot of hatred towards the film and i was like i don't really understand that and then i kind of read hellblazer and i was like okay kind of i get it now i i see why 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 i got the reaction it did but it it feels difficult because in in my childhood, I remember that the starting point of this was George Lucas, who decided that regardless of the fact, no one had ever particularly criticized the, the original Star Wars trilogy. There was no one saying, oh, wouldn't it just be better if we, we shoved some Jawas in the background there and put that there and put some weird CGI there and made it look more modern? But he just just decided that or it was almost every couple of years he was going to tinker with it and change this and change that and add this and add that. And it got to the that, point... That's, you know, a problem with, that's a problem with creatives, isn't it? It's Creatives always do that sort of stuff. It's like, oh, let me just do this little thing here or do this little thing there. And they will continue to tinker with things until the cows come home if they're not reined in. Exactly. and And with that, you can't you can't actually get the original cinema editions. They, they don't exist. The, the very first cut of the original trilogy is, isn't available. And I just find that incredible. Hand but, shot first. <laughs> well, yeah, and that's another problem. But I think Transformers is an interesting one because... I think all three of us, you know, we we grew up with the toys, we grew up with the cartoon and the comic, and that meant a lot to me. And the moment I saw the the way Michael Bay had designed the Transformers, you know, the look and the feel and the transformations, and he just went off on his his own tangent, his own thing, which was just completely so far removed from what the original films, sorry, what the original animated film and the original cartoons and comics looked like. And it was, I always found that a real, really strange decision 
And mm. the issue with that was I was kind of I, I went I went to see the film, the first one at the cinema, and I kind of realised that everything about the the design and the you know the the kind of creative choices he'd made um, in terms of the look and feel didn't really matter. It was just the, the fact that the films themselves are straight garbage. <laughs> and that, that I kind of got to a place where I'm like, you know what? I don't actually mind what the, what the actual, you know, the design, the, the CGI, um, especially when they did Bumblebee, I kind of thought, you know, they, they made some effort to, to, to be a bit more, a bit more reverence to the fans in the kind of G1 design. So I kind of, I made, made peace with it. But the, the problem with those films were they, they just don't, they're just not very good. And it, it's the same with Michael Bay and the Turtle films. You know, it, essentially, I, I know the, I don't know. About, the, did he do the second batch of Turtle films? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So he he did, he did the recent ones, the weird humanoid turtles, <laughs> the yeah, weird I, ones. I I actually thought of the turtles quite soon before we started recording, and I wanted to look it up because I've seen the first one uh, that he that they did. Which again, I I you know I was a huge turtles enthusiast uh, as a kid, and I in terms of that kind of changing things, does anybody remember what what the story was? Because it's not what it was, is it? Hasn't he sort of made them? Oh, what do you mean? Do, how, what, what, you yeah, mean, like their, like their sort of origin story about how they became turtles. Hasn't the, oh, the new film has changed it? Yeah, I, I should have looked it up beforehand. I, they, they were April O'Neil's pet turtles right. from when she was a kid. Okay, which is another kind of leap of logic, which is just weird. Yeah, that's what but, it was. Yeah, but again, I think I could have forgiven the the kind of strange redesign because some of it was quite. You know, it was it was okay in terms of what he, you could see what he was trying to do, and I, it didn't offend me. But they're just not very good films, mm. and that, mm-hmm. and I think that that's kind of the the problem I have um, is if if you are going to change the source material um, and really kind of show a level of contempt and say this is this is my take on it, this is my version. I don't care what came before. Um, You've got to do a bloody good job of it, and there's quite a few instances of that where they they've made they've they've made an absolute carve up of it, and you just think, well, okay, so or the opportunity you had to win over new fans because I think that's the biggest argument um, that when people talk about remakes or sequels that 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 have come. <laughs> 10, 20 years after the originals, there's that argument, it's for a different audience, it's for kids, it's not for... You're, yeah. We're adults now, it, it's for mm-hmm. kids, it's not for yeah, you us. Guys, you guys don't get it, yeah. Yeah, and, and, I, and I kind of think, well, yeah, okay, fair enough, the Star Wars prequels were probably, you know, for kids, and a lot of kids loved them, so I do understand that, but yeah, I mean... Just quickly covering off the cowboy bebop thing, um, I had only seen I think I seen about three episodes of cowboy uh, bebop the anime, and this is going about ten years ago, so I didn't have I didn't have any 
um, expectations of what it could or should be. And I, you know, but from from day one, I really enjoyed it. Um, I thought it was a great show. The pacing's a bit odd, and some of the some of the sort of the construction or the you know the structure of the whole thing is a bit odd in places. But yeah, you know, I thought it was really good. But as you say, TJ, people were attacking it before it even come out and sniping it, and this was wrong and that's wrong. He doesn't look like that. She shouldn't be like that. And I was like, wow, okay. So even though, to me, I thought the actual product was, you know, decent, not the best thing in the world, you know, it won't blow anyone's minds, but I thought they did a good job of it by kind of Netflix standards. But, yeah, and then it got cancelled, and I was just like, are you kidding me? And Um, it is interesting, it is interesting as well, because some of the guy, like a friend of mine who is an avid fan of the anime, um, like he watched it, and you know he watched I think the first five episodes or something like that. Um, and he like really enjoyed it, but yet people who I know are also avid fans of the anime were like, "I'm not watching it. It's garbage. It's rubbish." And, and like not even giving it a chance. I'm like, well, like uh, yeah, I don't know. Like I say, I think it's that, that something that's got that sort of emotional attachment to it. Uh, and it's and it, it happens strongest, I think, with kind of movies or content that have like a really strong cult following. Yeah, um, where people have that emotional attachment, it's yeah, it, it it makes people either go hard one way or the other. What was the reason for its cancellation? Did, was it just got really low numbers, or was it? Oh, did she yeah. was metrics? Yeah, Netflix well, is all about the metrics. So soon, though, if something's if something's not getting. The right metrics, pretty much instantane, um, pretty much instantaneously, they'll just knock it on the head because they're because they're investing so much money in original content. They, in, as harsh as it might sound, they kind of have to operate that way. So if something's not working, kill it early rather than investing more money in it, hoping that it will pick up, and then just move on to something else. So you'll this isn't the first, and this won't be the last time we see this sort of thing. Mm. No, well, I mean, they did it. They did it with the expanse. They they cancelled that, and then it got picked up by Amazon and even Battlestar Galactica reimagined. That that was on Sci Fi as well, and that got pretty much pushed out. They just decided they weren't going to make any more. And that I don't think it was, that was because of that. That was because Caprica didn't do very well. But I remember at the time when that when they announced they're not going to do any more and, and the, the, no one was there was going to be no continuity. There was a, there was kind of kind of a fan backlash and they were saying no no, no we we want more. There's more story to tell. Um, and yeah, how many seasons just, did Caprica get? Was it just one? Oh, just one. Yeah, yeah. But I think one of the, one of the most incredible cancellations, which really aggravated me. Um, recently, because it happened before I'd even finished watching it, and now I'm like, Do you know, what? I don't think I can be, I can be bothered to finish it. And that was why the Last Man, uh, and that that has been in production hell, partly because of COVID, but but partly because of lots of other issues where they they seem to have had problems uh, making that se- series, and then and then they you know they managed it, they they. They got the whole thing done, 
well, the first season anyway. And I remember, you know, well, I, I don't think it was the best. It didn't blow me away again. It wasn't the best thing I'd ever seen. But I was quite engrossed in it. I was like, you know, I want to I want to see this story. I know the story. I want to see it played out live action. And I don't even know why they cancelled it. I think, I think again, metrics, the numbers, the numbers weren't good enough. And it was released, you know, without much fanfare and PR because I think, you know, the three of us might know what why The Last Man is because, mm-hmm. you know, it's, a, it's an indie uh, graphic novel slash comic. Um, we, we probably know what that is, but most people won't. But I kind of felt like, well, you don't need to know what it is. It, 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 it's, it's an absolute genius of a story and concept. But yeah, again, cancel culture. It was gone. It was gone before the, the se- I'd even finished watching it. And I was just like, oh, come on. I mean, that, that's, that takes the mickey. Whereas at least Cowboy Bebop, I think I finished the last episode and a day later they'd cancelled it. <laughs> I was just like, should I just never watch anything again? <laughs> I think that's, I, I mean, that's, the, I mean, that's the side effects of the streaming service kind of model in terms of, you know, we're getting, you know, the streaming services are experimenting with kind of outlier IPs or different, you know, source material, especially because comics are doing well now, you know, they're diving into trying to remake animes and graphic novels and all sorts of stuff. So we're we're getting much more of a risk-taking approach when it comes to Mm -hmm. streaming services. But conversely, we're also seeing that um, the the flip side of that is that things get cancelled a lot quicker yeah. Um, you know, things don't necessarily think that, you know, they're not filming, you know, a full whatever, you know, 64 episode full season or something. Now they're doing 10 episodes, five, five episodes, seeing how that responds, seeing if that picks up. And if it does, then they'll commission it for another thing and another thing. But, and, and so there's, there's definitely a sense of um, immediacy, I think, with streaming because, when something blows up, it blows up really, really hard. And yeah. when something doesn't quite kick off, it you know again, it's also immediately apparent. So yeah, I'm surprised though that it needs to be like cancelled as quickly as that, as opposed to just let's just leave it for a bit and see if it picks up. You know, as opposed to why why the decision needs to be made so 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 quickly. I mean, you, you, I think when you, when you, and now what you, when they unveil it, like, like, you know, we had a text conversation uh, recently about the fact it had been cancelled and, you know, like I, I've, I'm only one episode into it and then it was cancelled. So I'm kind of left wondering, well, should I even finish this? You know, and I think you kind of, you belittle the product when, you know, they belittle their own product when you come out with an announcement like that for something that's literally just come out. Yeah, that's, that is so true. I mean, I guess the logic would be if something doesn't, because we now live in a world where everything is very immediate mm. and things go viral supposedly instantaneously. It's not like there's not like a you know back in the days of <clears throat> um, home video and all that kind of stuff. Something might flop at the cinema, but then it comes out on home video and it blows up and it gets like that cult follow that cult following status. Like, but I, I kind you of don't really, really get what, that so much now, I don't think. 
Well, Sorry, I kind of agree with what Imran's saying because if you think about Squid Game, so Squid Game came out and yeah, that that blew up um, massively. And then what it meant was there were shows like uh, I think it's Alice in Borderland, which has a similar kind of right, premise. Yeah. That immediately kind of got a booster, yeah, because everyone was looking for things similar to Squid Game. So I kind of think I, I get exactly what you're saying, but there are there are they ways can be slow of, burners, yeah, yeah, and even even so, it's like, well, well why do you have to commit? Like, well, when something's not even finished airing um, in terms of Cowboy Bebop, I mean, literally, I think it got it got cancelled. I'm trying to think when it aired, when it was was available. It can't have been more than a month mm. um, before it was cancelled. Maybe maybe two months. Um, but that was I, I felt like that was pretty harsh. And I, mm. I don't know if either of you have seen. I'm, I'm going to call it Jupiter Ascending. Is that the right? name uh, Mark yeah, Miller yeah. Yeah, vehicle familiar. because Netflix did this a massive massive kind of comic uh, IP deal didn't they with the guy who did Kickass is it Mark Miller is that right TJ help me uh, I'm going to say yes <laughs> no one else corrects me <laughs> I think that's him and uh, obviously you know he, it, it was it was almost the equivalent equivalent I can't even speak the equivalent of them doing a deal with Marvel or DC, that they picked the next biggest kind of uh, superhero comic imprint. Um, and they made that Jupiter Ascending. And they, they that was a big budget series. And I all I remember was the, the only criticism that I kept reading about it was it took itself very seriously. There weren't many jokes... You know, it wasn't the boys, and and I, I and I was kind of like, well, okay, does it does it need to be the boys? Does it need to have really dark, pitch black humor? Mm-hmm. Does it need to be um, what's the other thing that the guy from My Chemical Romance did? Um, the school kids, Ooh. what's that called? Uh, Something Academy, uh, Umbrella Academy, Umbrella Academy. You know, it doesn't need to be that. It doesn't need to be the same. But, bef- yeah, I, I, again, I think before that had even um, finished, you know, the first season run, it w- it had been cancelled, or it hadn't officially been cancelled. They were just like, oh, we're going to tell, tell a different story with different characters set in the same universe, because obviously Netflix didn't, didn't want to completely rip apart their, uh, you know, their franchise IP agreement with the guy who did kick ass so yeah so they kind of went oh yeah well we we're not returning to those characters but we'll do other ones uh set in the same Hmm. time and whatever yeah but again i i don't understand for, for me that that kind of superhero genre thing i felt like whereas cowboy bebop i think people you know they they were gambling on people who knew what that what that ip is they people who are anime fans you know they they the way they probably marketed it they probably went all in on that whereas i think jupiter sending it's like well it would have found an audience it's probably still finding an audience it doesn't it just didn't need to be 
I don't know, cancelled that quickly. It's, it's really I mean, it, strange. It, again, it's it's. I'm gonna I'm gonna sound like the proper corporate shill right now. So, <laughs> from, I mean, from from a business aspect, it's like Netflix are driven by what's gonna what's gonna get them new subscriptions, right? Because at the moment, that you know they've pretty much the market's pretty saturated and you know getting a hold of new subscriptions or even maintaining resubscriptions is you know it's a tough process and you know if something and to i can i can imagine and again from a fan point of view to your point dan it's mm. really annoying where you get something that you're really enjoying and it gets nixed because it's not got incredible numbers but I guess from their point of view, if something isn't creating headlines and getting new subscribers in and it doesn't reach a certain volume of hits or downloads or watches or whatever the metric is, it doesn't make much business sense if a show's not bringing in new subscribers or getting that sort of reception for them to continue to invest in it, right? Yeah, I've I've actually made and that's the, I'm, and that's I'm the sad thinking facts. about it. Thinking about it, I guess at the point a show is delivered, they have a set of actors. They also have a set of sets and creative talent mm-hmm. there and ready, who who are basically probably in this day and age waiting to see how successful see it is. The numbers are yeah. In order to to, to as quickly as possible make um a second season because obviously mm. if they then go off and commit to uh, other tv shows and films then, then they're not going to be able to um mm. ride the crest of the wave which is really funny when it comes to squid game because that whole script and and story has has just stated for has that got season two now as well well, well no i mean it, it wasn't because it's been around for so long, like the guy mm. tried to get it made as a film, he's mm-hmm. you know he's 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 pushed it uh, through various different studios and got no okay. no luck. I think it's been since two thousand and fourteen, or at least you know it's wow. been around that long. So so there's no there's there was no anticipation. I think that that you know that that it was going to do as well as it did, and he you. Know, I'm, I'm yeah. sure they're pressuring him now and they're giving him a massive creative writing team to do the second one, but he hadn't written it. You know, he, there was no second season ready to go. And even when <laughs> it was blowing up, he, he hadn't made any plans to do it. So that was, that was almost Which like is... the opposite end of the spectrum. It's like, well, they, they, it... they didn't expect it to, to do what it did. And that's something I always find funny where like, Something blows up. You had no plans. It like it tells a story. That's a story. Boom, done. And then, I mean, again, from a business perspective, people enjoy this thing. You want to give them more of this thing so they continue to enjoy it, so they continue to subscribe or whatever it is to your service. But from a creative standpoint, it's like you're now just, and I guess this goes into, well, actually lost, suffered from different issues. But, you know, you've created this thing and it's done really well. It's done really well because of the story that you've told at that point. If you just dragging out the story and continuing to tell tales of those characters or whatever, uh, I, I don't know. I always struggle with that one. It's like, 
if you're just dragging on the story because people enjoyed it, surely you're just going to burn through yeah. whatever goodness that you had for the original. Uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's a weird one. They, they did it on Battlestar because apparently uh, at the midway stage of making that, they they were literally writing on the fly and, mm. and trying to create um, entire seasons that had no... You know, they hadn't decided on the plot arc and, and the character arcs and what was going to happen. So they were, I find it incredible. I, I doubt it happens anymore. I'd be surprised. But they were literally just like the, the rise for Lost. <laughs> they were literally trying to create more yeah. more in the middle uh, to pad out that story. Whereas I'm sure they probably knew what the ending was going to be, but they had to mm. make... Yeah, sorry, Imran. No, no. I would. Well, I was gonna. Yeah, I was gonna agree. Um, I think that that was, as I understood it, the case with uh, with Lost. But um, I don't know. I, it feels like in this sort of day and age, there seems to be more respect for the notion of a complete story. You know, mm. like I'm sure for, with Squid Game, I'm very sure, as you've said, I didn't know the history of it, but um, yeah, I imagine that there would now be like, oh, we need a, we we have to revisit this in some capacity. And yeah, it, it's. I suppose it's crazy to, for it to be left, uh, you know, without a t- an attempt to kind of capitalize upon it. But if you're starting from scratch, then, you know, it's it's going to be very difficult mm. to kind of catch up in time, isn't it? But, um, yeah, it's difficult. So, Iman, a yeah. question to you, because uh, we, we've discussed this many times before, but um, the the female adaptation of Ghostbusters did you, huh. bef- when you heard that that was going to be made, um, before you saw it, what, what, what did you, what were your instant feelings, your unedited response to that? Man, fuck those. <laughs> <laughs> no, oh, wow. So, okay, so yes, Ghostbusters was going to form quite, a, I imagine, a big part of, of, of this kind of conversation because obviously we're, we're, this is the, we're in the wake of Afterlife now, which, um, uh, as a, well, actually, if I, as, as a setup for for Ghostbusters, Dan, not I, I absolutely will answer your question, but there was just something I wanted to cite um, about uh, just sort of about each of the Ghostbusters. It was an article in Politico uh, where they had talked about the kind of the uh, political environments that the Ghostbusters movies tend to find themselves in upon release, uh, and it's this really kind of interesting assessment of like the 1984 version the 1984 original uh kind of being dubbed a very conservative movie apparently and it was sort of it's been surmised as having this um it itself rooted in like entrepreneurship and the merits of deregulation in a reagan era u.s they talked about i know if anyone knows what that means i'd love for you to explain it but um in the 2016 version the 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 paul feig uh, all female cast they talked about the response to that movie being a very kind of noxious flashpoint in the early Trump era culture wars. And then in 2021, which I think is a fair, a fair assessment of it. And um, in 2021 with afterlife, they, they, they kind of go the opposite way. And they kind of talk about that movie um, being a reflection of a U.S. culture where creature comforts and political deadlock rob us of our ability to imagine or realize anything truly new. So there, it's, right, it's a summation. Yeah, it's a it's a summation <laughs> of afterlife being lazy because it harks so 
so strongly back to the original. And I thought, well, that's such a, you can't call it lazy because only four years ago, five years ago, when they went the opposite way, it got, you know, savage. So it's, it's an unfair criticism, but I thought the assessment of Ghostbusters within political climates, I thought was quite uh, an interesting uh, kind of thing. Wow. It's interesting, actually. Uh, um, um, sorry, and I know you're about to. I'm going to throw another thing in here. So the which was the um, Brandon Ruth Superman, right. which was seen as quite a heavy nostalgia fest to the point of being so fault, maybe mm. some might have said. Yeah, yeah. What again, like? Because I, I really loved Ghostbusters Afterlife and it, it ticked all the right boxes for me, but I wasn't a fan of what they did with that Superman movie. And that and thinking, and this is literally just occurred to me now, thinking about how both films had a lot of nods to the source material and, you know, really kind of tugged on the nostalgia heartstrings and all that kind of stuff. But for some reason, one of them worked for me where the other one didn't. Well, the, the, the Superman you... one, I mean, again, sorry, Dan, I absolutely will answer your question. I will go back to Ghostbusters in a moment. But just as a, as a sidebar about the Superman, the thing that bugged me the most about that film was it was the first time I had encountered a big studio movie basically saying, right, so you know this Superman 1, 2, 3, 4, forget 3, 4, this is now the 3, so just forget those two and it's like one two as you remember it and now it's this one so is this 2.5 no it's kind of a new three because three and four that you know doesn't exist anymore right i don't understand what's happening so that was the biggest is that a tagline but that was the biggest gripe i i had in that film i just so confused i'd never i've never encountered a film that where it's just let's just plant something right in the middle of an existing series and and it's going to continue like just reboot it go from scratch you know but i didn't think it was a good film in general he was nothing more more than like a glorified weightlifter in it he just there was a problem he'd pick it up and throw it you know i didn't and that was lex luther's plan to just to build a kryptonite island what do you do with it the army can still invade you it made no sense (laughs) you know it stops one man but it doesn't stop an army from arresting you it was weird (laughs) but yeah that's my gripe with that superman movie but uh, dan what did you think about the superman movie um i i can't really like i i didn't have that that level of of kind of thought process when i watched it um, I just remember it being very boring. It, it was basically a love story. And I think at, in, in an era where I think at that point there were X-Men films that I, mm. I, I love the X-Men films. Uh, and I th- may, maybe Iron Man had come out. I don't know. Maybe not. But I, I think things were starting to change. And this film... From a nostalgia point of view, it was it was kind of okay. I think the, the there's one sequence with where the plane where he rescues the plane that was quite good. Yes, that was fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So I, I think it kind of like I didn't hate it, and I was quite prepared to see more of those characters. And I thought, you know, I thought there would be a follow up film that would be a lot more interesting. 
because mm. but but yeah i didn't i i completely hold my hand up i didn't really I didn't really understand at the time I went to see it that they had jettisoned the uh was it three, four and three five and four. or was it three four, oh, three three four. four. nuclear they man four. At, I yeah. mean, if you're gonna jettison anything in your life, that, that's the movie you wanna have to jettison. <laughs> that was some hot garbage, man. Wow. It wasn't pleasant number four. It was, really it was on T V the other day as well. I watched about thirty <laughs> seconds of it and went, nah. What, who commissions that? That's so funny. Yeah, it was like ITV eight or whatever it was. <laughs> <laughs> but they they did the same thing with Terminator franchise. Yes, that's oh God. We, we spoke. That's about had that, so yeah. many reboots and 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 retcons and all the rest of it. But it, it, that's, it's that's so, a messed up franchise. It, it is messed up. I mean, it's it's almost as bad as Aliens franchise, but or Predator. God, but Predator, in this yeah. case, or both. Yeah, or both. <laughs> in 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 the case of that one, they 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 kind of made they brought everyone back. Yeah, they brought everyone back that counted to make this movie, which they said ignore everything else that's happened, which was at least four films, I think. Ignore <laughs> those four films, pretend they didn't happen, and this is this is Terminator Three, and they didn't actually make it. It's not a bad film. I, I kind of enjoyed it, and I imagine that if wait, which one? This is Terminator Three. Oh. Is that the one with the what's it with the with the girl Terminator? No, that's no, the original no, three. That's the yeah, original. Oh, this ah, was the, you see? the new one. I've already forgotten the name of it because there's so many. But th- this is the one basically where they brought back the original Sarah Connor. Um, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, that was oh, so that is the uh, oh, sorry, that's the official. That's the James Cameron number three, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. And, right. Yeah. Yeah, I like, to, I like that film. And to be fair, if they'd brought that film out, even sort of five years or even ten years after the <laughs> after the second, it would have probably been okay. But it was really strange because uh, obviously this was uh, pre-COVID, and just no one cared. No one went to yeah. see it. Uh, it's a shame. It was, it was a good movie. Yeah, and and and, so, and I think they all looked at each other afterwards and just was like, "Well, this is it. That's that done. There's, <laughs> there's just no point." So all, all the people that the original people that that made that and invested that time and effort, they're not gonna. There's there's no way you're gonna see the original. Uh, is it Linda? I've forgotten her name. Hamilton. Hamilton. Linda Hamilton come back and do another Terminator. I think she's she's like yeah. Thanks yeah. everybody for making me do that, and it was a complete waste of time. <laughs> well, well, she, she would have got paid for it, so it wasn't like she well, did yeah, it for nothing. Very but true. Terminator pitch meetings fascinate me because I always imagine like a big boardroom, and the guy says, "I've got an idea for a Terminator movie," and he's like, "I'm listening." A Terminator, <laughs> yes, travels back in time. I'm with you <laughs> to kill. Go on. A corner. Here's one hundred million dollars. Go make it happen. <laughs> but, but you forget. You forget the the moment they have to sit there and get the drawing board out and say, "Right." So I was going to say that, lo- that logic board. That must be an absolute clusterfuck of post its and like <laughs> piece well, of fir- string. The first thing they have to decide is like, okay, so the first endoskeleton Terminator Two, which was <laughs> no, no, rock- Dan, Dan, rock- Dan. Seriously, don't, don't do it. <laughs> 
please. <laughs> my, my head hurts enough. I, I, I can already feel a headache coming on. I'm trying to... <laughs> that but, whole... Know, oh, God. Horrible. Horrible. Well, let's, let's I mean, move back next... to... The... Oh, no, go ahead, Dan. Oh, no, I was, I was just going to end with a stupid remark that the, the, the next one they do is going to be modelled with plasticine. <laughs> Oh no! It's it keeps changing shape into amusing kids characters. Morph the Terminator. Oh, no. Morph the Terminator. We can't we can't blow it up. Oh god! <laughs> Sorry, go. On. I went there. <coughs> well, let's move back to Ghostbusters uh, for a moment, if we may. So your, your, so your, your question about how I felt. Um, uh, I, I don't know how I felt because there's there's two elements to it because there is the 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 famous the infamous uh, Paul Feig tweet uh, that he put out saying I'm making a new Ghostbusters film with all women or I think with funny women and that was his downfall instantly because he lost he lost everyone at that point, which was very sad to say, because that was the beginning of the backlash. Um, but I would have thought as soon as I heard the names of uh, Kristen Wiig and Melissa McCarthy, I would have been sold because I'm, I, I besotted with them. Um, I think that they're, they're geniuses and I, yeah, so I would have been very enthused to see it following their names, but I don't know how I, in complete yeah, honesty, I am not entirely sure because it maintains that SNL thing you know, from the originals, uh, from the 84. So I thought that that was kind of a nice kind of still a, a, a sort of tried to sort of, it was just a nice, whether it was a coincidence or by mm. design, you're kind of going in the same kind of comedy route, even though they're very different movies, of course. But um, I don't know what my instinctive reaction, that's the God's honest truth. I don't know if I, uh, if if I was on board with it, I don't know if I rolled my eyes at it. I honestly can't say, but I know when the cast was announced, I would have been like, oh, that's so cool. Um, and having Hemsworth as the secretary, brilliant. Like, that would have been a I nice think, touch. Yeah, I, I think for me, my my issue with it, uh, like you, Imran, when I saw that casting, I was like, oh, wow, yeah. Love Kristen Wiig, love uh, Melissa McCarthy, um, all that kind of stuff. And I, I was very much on board for it. My, I think my issue with the movie wasn't, there's absolutely nothing to do with the casting. Um, it was more around the premise of the movie and where it lay and it felt like it it kind of did it didn't it kind of did a thing where it just sat on a fence and didn't know which way it wanted to go so it kind of had nods and hints to the original stuff it had had a cameo with sorry people spoiler alert. had a cameo with um bill murray was in there i don't think that Aykroyd was in there was he or was he i thought three of them were were they yeah yeah they were, yeah, they were three, uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah so you know so they had cameos from the original cast in there and then there were hints to you know stuff that had happened in the first movie i think it was or in the second or in the first movies so there was hints to that and there was nods to that like the whole easter egg kind of thing but then it was its own thing and definitely wasn't connected to the originals. So it's like, well, for me, I'd have rather they either do what Afterlife did, which was a straight, this is 100% connected to the originals. You know, they're the nieces of the original guys or I don't know, like they 
you know, whatever it is, like have some solid connection and acknowledge the fact that this is a continuation of the franchise set 20 years later or whatever it was and and truly embrace and acknowledge that and then you then you know you go forward or it's a complete reboot there's you know you wipe the slate clean there's never been ghostbusters before this is our take on it boom off we go to the races so we put heads on this because i know you and dan are very much on the same page with this but i just hmm. don't have that like i to Hmm. me i looked at it as a complete reboot you're absolutely right i think it was was dan yeah, it was. It was. No, but it, it did no, have it those was. nods. It did have those nods, as you said. Uh, it did uh, sort of nudge, nudge, wink, wink back to the the original. Yeah, and that um, I, I think I that did... that just irked me some. And I don't know why. I don't know what it was, but that that like having uh, for me, I'd have rather they just like had a complete clean break from the original stuff and not had those little. Oh well, is it part? Is it in the same universe or is it a parallel? Like. There were, I, I, I don't know, maybe I was reading too much into it, but that, uh, for me, that kind of, it, it felt like it, I don't know, it just leaned a little bit too much on that side of things for me when I could have done with it just being a fresh break. And, you know, the fact is, you know, people probably would have shouted it anyway because people are dicks and people <laughs> don't like women for some dumb reason or whatever it is, I don't know. <laughs> Um, you know, there, there was, yeah, it, it definitely faced a lot of the backlash mm. from a, oh, you're being overly PC yeah. and recasting. And that's what happens it. after Frank's like, tweet. Yeah. And that uh, was, that was that, the response he got straight yeah. away. Leslie and Jones and like, got mauled, uh, you know, uh, in a, in a horrific yeah. kind of, uh, it, series of attacks as well online. All, and all that shit's absolutely disgusting mm. and abhorrent. And I, I, I despise that kind of stuff. I didn't, I didn't. When I went to go and see the movie, I enjoyed the comedy and I thought there were funny parts of it. In terms of it being part of the Ghostbusters franchise, I didn't, I wasn't a fan of that, but primarily because of the reason that I said nothing to do with the casting. Mm. You know, it was primarily because I just would have liked it to have been. I, I like where, because obviously there's a big trend of reboots and, you know, drawing on IPs from the 80s and all that kind of stuff. And I really like where, when they do things where they acknowledge there is, you know, a 40-year gap or whatever, you know, the gap is. And, you know, reboot it, but acknowledge, you know, these things happened in the past. It's now 30, 40 years later, and this is what's happening now. I like, I, I much prefer to have a reboot done as a sequel, in inverted commas, as opposed to, I don't know what Ghostbusters twenty sixteen did. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So Dan, yeah. why don't you like women? <laughs> oh wow. <laughs> Good yeah, Dan, why don't you like women? You like What's women wrong with you? <laughs> I'm joking, I'm joking. Yeah, but I know no, Dan, I know you, you agree uh, quite a lot with, with T what TJ's assessment of that movie was, right? Pretty much, yeah. I mean I think I love the casting. I, I think it wasn't it wasn't the best story no i agree 100% I, agree with that because i i think the, the problem with it is it didn't have a compelling villain it didn't have a very clear end game but but putting putting that aside it it was the fact that it it tries to retell the same story with almost identical 
characters yeah. as in yeah, the first exactly. one, but just played <laughs> by women. And I, I think apart from obviously, you know, Hemsworth as the secretary, which was a stroke of genius. But so the the comedy, the banter, you know, the, the actual the way it was written was was tonally perfect. It just, you know, as TJ said, it, it it just wasn't for some reason they didn't put it in the same universe. They didn't acknowledge anything mm. that had happened before, and I, I kind of get what I, I do understand why he did that. But I remember at the time that they announced it, my first thought was, well, well what happened to the? There's there's been a Ghostbusters three script, which has been referred to and talked about. For years and years and for years and years, Bill Murray refused to do it, or that was one of the reasons given. He, for some reason, you know, he 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 didn't want to do that script, and and I remember that there was a lot of speculation because they they did some of the story in a video game, and there was a lot of speculation that there was going to be a next generation of Ghostbusters, and the the old guard were going to hand down the. Uh, I can't remember what it's called. The, the baton. The, well, I was going to say baton, but it, <laughs> yeah. the proton pack. There proton you go, the proton pack. <laughs> uh, to the next generation, and it was going to then spark its own story. You know, the, something that I think can work, but they didn't do that. They they kind of almost. I think half the film was was telling the same, the exact same story again from a slightly yeah. different angle, from different characters, and knowing that they hadn't finished telling this story that the original characters and the original writers and producers wanted to tell, it it was very difficult to kind of accept that there was this film which had, as as you said, a lot of cheeky nods to the past, you know, to the past films, you know, very knowing glances, and, and you kind of felt like it was paying some kind of reverence to those films, which is fine. But ultimately, I, I think they they didn't need to go all in on the women thing. I think that was always going to be quite jarring, as if they were trying to make a point and say, "What? What? Why does it have to be all women? Why can't it be fifty fifty or or the majority of women, but involved? You know, somehow at some point in the story, they realise what they what they are doing alerts the original Ghostbusters." And they team up at the end to 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 kill or to take down the bad guy. And there's so many missed opportunities with this because, again, I love uh, Kirsten Stewart. Um, you know, I, the the Kristen, SNL, Kristen Wiig. Yeah, Kristen Wiig. Yeah. I love I love all all those actresses, and I think you know the the comedy was fantastic. But even even having you know, I think uh, again, spoiler alert. Go away if you don't want to hear this. I think um, Dan Aykroyd was was a cab driver. Oh, yes, yeah. And uh, Winston, I can't even remember what Winston Zedmore was. Winston Zedmore. He was uh, uh, Leslie Jones' uncle or something, wasn't he? Uh, She references him in the movie uh, He Appears at the very end, I think. Yes, yeah. yeah, yeah. Something weird, anyway, something like that. And, And the worst was Bill Murray, who was a paranormal skeptic. Yeah, and and he comes in, and he's sort of you think he's like, is he is he a bad guy? Is he meant to be a bad guy? Is he is he part of the actual yeah, script? That was very weird. And it it doesn't. I left the 
film not knowing what he was supposed to be. What, what was what was that? So, and so it just didn't make a lot of sense. So here's, I mean, the thing with Ghostbusters is really interesting because I, you know, I, I asked this question as, you know, as a, Ghostbusters was a huge part of my my childhood. I, I, I adored the first film. I I think I've spoke about my my uh, my love of Ghostbusters two in in a really early podcast that we had where we talked about films we love that no one else did, you know. And I talked about going to Ghostbusters the first time I saw a film uh, in the cinema by myself. Uh, you know, I was a huge real Ghostbusters fan. The the cartoons, I had comic books, I had the toys, and it was a huge part of like my childhood. But even I am still kind of compelled by the well, not compelled, but I'm kind of baffled i think in a way about the allure of it in terms of you have this film which is brilliant and and you know it's it's everything it, it people say it is uh, you, in the original but everything afterwards like people get mad at they even ghostbusters 2 people were mad at and that was only like four years later five years later but it's mm. kind of an, an afterlife has had as quite strong polarizing reviews mm. but like what is it with 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 that film that people try they, they try to follow it up but it fails seemingly in at every turn i mean is there something about its mystique that i'm just completely missing well i was gonna actually say with regards to um the 2016 ghostbusters like i i to in a bit of response to what dad said earlier i i don't have a problem with all of the characters being uh women at all it's dan who's got the problem with women <laughs> But, um, but, yeah. but um but i i think my problem is that they tried to do or it, maybe they didn't and i misread it but it felt like they tried to do a this is the lady venkman this is the lady egon this is the lady yeah, like exactly and and, and, and to me right and to me that feels more demeaning as a as you know, rather than you just going, Hey, we've got four new guys and they're gonna kick ass, they're their own people, they're their own characters, you know, they're all scientists or they're all what well, you know, whatever it is, rather than doing to me, that would have been a lot more impactful and made me go, Okay, I actually give a you know, I actually give a shit, but I wanna find out more about these characters. They just did a lady version of what was there before and if you're trying to do a thing where you go, hey, look, you know, hey, ladies can be Ghostbusters as well. It's like, okay, well, yeah, we know that, but we don't just want to see a lady version of what's happened before. We want to see, you know, cool characters, regardless of whether they're men or women. We don't just want to see a carbon copy and you're, it feels like doing a bit of a tick box exercise by making them women. Um so yeah, so that 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 was something else that irked me quite a bit as well, and 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 another reason why, you know, again, not disparaging um, the actors' performances because I, you know, there were elements in the movie that I thought were, were super funny, but again, I just feel like that that was another ball they kind of dropped where they could have done something a bit different or. You know, and really kind of set out their own stall and gone. Hey, these are this is the new group, and this is their character, and this is what they, you know, this is what they're all about. As opposed to doing this, uh, yeah, we're kind of doing a reboot, but it's the same thing, but it's not. It's its own thing, and it's kind of in the same universe. Well, it's not really in the same universe, but 
we still got the, there was too much of too much of that and but I, conversely I aren't, aren't those just like the standard hollywood group characters Archetypes. yeah like the funny it, one the cool one the geeky one do you know what i mean yeah, isn't that still that a little bit as well even so though actually, I can dispute it, what you're saying. You're right. They have uh, emulated those characters. I mean, even the fact that Leslie Jones's character doesn't come at it from a science background. So they, they've completely yeah, they ripped got, off yeah, Winston. Got, you're absolutely right. Yeah, they've got three. They got, yeah, you know, they got, they got it, the three white characters true. and they got the black character that doesn't come from a science background. It's a wisecracking, wisecracking one that doesn't believe in, go- or not yeah, doesn't yeah. Believe in ghosts, but it's just there to get a job. It's like, it, it, it's, it, again, it, it felt, so much like, and you know, you've got the, the geeky one, which was, um, I forget the actress's name. Uh, McKinnon, um, Kate McKinnon. Kate McKinnon, yeah. Oh, Kate McKinnon. Um, you know, she's the Egon. And, it, 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 and you know, you've got the Dan Aykroyd and Melissa McCarthy. The slightly, it, it just, it, it just felt like, you know, it, and you're right. There, there are those archetypes of the group, but you can change it up. Like maybe not have the same number of people or, you know, they even did it to the point where they had the same races within the same archetypes. It's like, (laughs) you're not uh, at this point. I feel like you're not even trying now. So (laughs) yeah, I, 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 and I, I think that more, and obviously, you know, the, it got shut down before it even came out. But then when you look at it, it's like, you could have done a much better job with that if you'd have really thought about what you were trying to do. Um, and to me, they they just didn't. They, you know, they tried to do something and that kind of half-assed it when you should always use your whole ass. <laughs> oh, wow, okay. Um, but I just wanted to add that I think even if, you know, our, our world should be different, uh, it shouldn't have this imbalance and intolerance. Surely from a kind of a studio backing, a production point of view, they must have must have been able to look at it and say, well, how many all-female remakes are there happening at the moment or, or, or even have been in the last 10, 15 years? And if there are any, have they been popular? And I, I don't and think, I think that's, not, that's not a reason not to do it, though. I mean, there's because if 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 you're that the point you're making though is that they fail because it's a female remake. No, 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 no. And I'm, I'm just not saying, saying you endorse it, it, obviously, but I'm just saying that that that's kind of it's a big. It's just we're talking huge... about hatred of women again. <laughs> yeah, my massive hatred of all women. No, I just think it's a risk because at that time, hmm. the only thing I could think of that had come out maybe around that time or 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 before or after was uh the Ocean's 11 all women uh, remake yeah. Yeah. and yeah. that and that, and I haven't seen it so I can't I'm not offering an, any opinion on it because I don't know I don't know what it's like but that I know that 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 bombed without a trace pretty mm. quickly and I feel like it's a decision you don't really need to make like it we should have got beyond that we should have got to the point where you could have a Ghostbusters film where where the lead or even the leads are female, but really going all in that the main characters are women and the 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 only male character is a really dumb blonde secretary, as if like to really double down on the fact of look the 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 man is eye candy. 
the women are the super intelligent scientists. And I just feel like, oh God, this 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 is a conversation we sh- we would be having in the eighties or nineties, hmm. not not two thousand and sixteen. You you just don't need to do that. It's the same conversation about should James Bond be have to you know should James Bond be a woman? It's like, well, no, because James Bond is a bloke. You don't have to make hmm. that character a woman. You should be able to have another secret agent or similar kind of spy character and put all your weight and creative focus on that and bring that character up. It could be in the same franchise, the same universe. It just, you just don't need to keep swapping genders as if to sort of challenge people and make them think, Oh, look what they did. Aren't they, aren't they clever? I just think, Oh God, we should be beyond that by now. I think to, to that point, I think I would say, I would 100% agree with what you're saying. However, I think if you're going to do gender swaps, race swaps, whatever swaps you want to do, young, old, whatever, it doesn't matter. Um, I think if it if it makes sense within the context of what you're doing, you should be able to put whatever actor in whatever role you need to do at any point. Yes. However... Like you said, uh, to again, to your point, don't just do it because you're trying to prove a point of, hey, look, th- this X person can be anyone in 2021. It's like, just write good stories and get the best actors, actresses, whatever, to be in those roles. If you want to make a, you know, a dynamic spy person whatever it is that's within the bond universe to your point do a spin-off thing have a have a thing with um i forget the actress's name uh that was 007 in the new james bond movie but have a spin-off thing with her as a as the main focal character and give her her own story and let her get her personality across yeah um you know where it does where it does work, where you can switch genders and roles and the rest of it, something like Doctor Who, where Doctor Who can be anything. So fine, let Doctor Who regenerate as whatever you know. Let him regenerate as a goddamn budgie, if you like, it, you know, whatever it is. <laughs> let you know that sort of thing lends itself to that can be. But it, 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 do you know what I mean? It's like okay, but- don't just do it. Don't just do it if you're trying to tick a box. Do it because it either makes sense. Or give, if you want to be diverse, give diversity its its vehicle to be its own thing and, and carve its own path. And, you know, don't just do it as a lip service to something else. Or But conversely, if we take the MCU for as an example, um, mm. it's taken tw- 10 years. Yes, I, I forget the date of, the, say, the first Iron Man movie, but I, I guess we've probably exceeded 10 years now. But... It took 10 years to have the first Asian lead or, or not even lead, but character of significance, right? Hmm. Before that, we had um, we had Black Panther. So that would probably, what, th- three years ago, if even that, maybe mm-hmm. two to three years ago. Um, mm-hmm. Without subbing in certain characters race-wise, as, say, Sam Jackson as Nick Fury, uh, Idris hmm. Elba as Heimdall, uh, but uh, uh, um, I forgot her name. Uh, MJ uh, uh, Zendaya, Zendaya. 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 Yeah. without subbing 
uh, races in those instances. Obviously, as a studio, you're going to want to put out your the bigger the bigger characters that you can. So yes, mm. you're going to want to have Spider Man, Iron Man. You want people recognized before you can go deeper into your catalog, right? Mm. But that means with if, if so, if you're not going to sub these characters for for and swap races, then we're looking at we're not looking at any level of diversity really. We're looking at two two um um uh, two uh, best friends in uh, uh, Falcon and Rhodey. Um, mm. but we're not looking at much diversity at all. So unless at times, at, I, although I agree everything that you've, you've, you've both said, but yeah. I think sometimes there are examples where you almost, you do have to do it because otherwise it's just not going to, you know, how else is it going to happen? But the, yeah, the characters, but that, the, the, the characters that the you... cast, is it? It's, it's an individual character. And I, I think that's, that's fine. Like they could have, they could have carried on with, uh, the Ghostbusters, and maybe if if I don't know if, if um, uh, Murray didn't want to do it, they could have recast him as a woman. Uh, but rather than a full cast of women, oh sure. But mean- in terms of well, I guess we kind of move the conversation on, say, from 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 Ghostbusters as such. But I I I, I do think like you were saying about sometimes it's about say ticking boxes and things like that. But I mean mm. sometimes it has to. You need the the, the grander sweeps of things to to almost to try and level up this 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 playing field really isn't it i mean it, to it get people's like, heads around yeah seeing... i mean captain marvel okay. for example i mean again that took seven years seven eight, nearly eight years of of mcu movies before we had a, a female lead get her own movie if, you okay know, what i would say though is the characters that you named are all very much secondary characters so it's so your Nick Fury, your who are the other ones, Heimdall, Heimdall uh, and Zendaya, MJ. They're all very much secondary characters. Sure. So they're in the grand scheme of things, they're kind of low risk. You can kind of you can kind of put whoever you want in that role, and it's not really going to jar people. Well, we do Heimdall, bless him. Uh, Idris for the second time in his career obviously with all the Bond kind of uh, disputes he's been a part of uh, his casting as Heimdall was uh, again a massively yeah but I mean it'd be very different if they turned around and made Thor a black guy or something like that that I mean to me them them making secondary character doing casting whoever they feel is the best actor or actress in a secondary role uh, I mean uh, I don't I see what you're trying to say, but I, I, I don't necessarily think that had as much of an impact on them making a Black Panther or a Shang-Chi. Oh, as... no, no, no. no my, my, yes, no, no. My point was that had they not changed races, then we would be looking at predominantly all white casts up to that point. Do you know what right, I mean? Okay. So I'm, I'm, that, yeah. my only point is I, I'm not... I'm, I'm, I'm just saying that sometimes you, it, it, if we take a character and we talk about uh, um, the, the ability to change that character uh, from a, a gender, a sexuality, or mm. a race, uh, you know, a, a lot of the times the predominant thought is just leave them as they were. But my point is, if if you if you don't take these leaps at times, then you're not looking at much diversity for for, for quite some time, MCU wise, you know. Mm. I don't know if 
I'm not 100% sure which came first, whether it was the Ultimate uh, Universe version of Nick Fury or Samuel Jackson. Because Ultimate, when um, Marvel did the Ultimate Universe, which was kind of, um, just trying to explain it, is it was a bit of a parallel universe to the main Marvel characters. And they did Ultimate Spider-Man, Ultimate X-Men, Ultimate blah, 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 bunch of stuff. But basically they rebooted a bunch of characters and the universes and gave them new looks, new storylines and yada, yada, yada. And within that universe, Ultimate, the Ultimate version of Nick Fury was a black guy. And now I'm not sure if that came before Samuel Jackson or not. Right. Because that may very well have dictated Samuel Jackson's casting. Hmm. That's so that meant, so so that that might be yeah but yeah I I I I see your point and I agree with it but conversely you don't agree with it <laughs> well, no no conversely it was a it was a bunch of secondary characters yeah, they did yeah, yeah. so it was it was a kind of a low risk okay you know we can we can we can cast who we feel is the right person as opposed to you know a Steve Rogers or a Peter Parker okay yeah we kind of need to cast a white guy or you know, a white woman in as Black Widow because this is her background and this is the core of the character and yada yada all mm. that kind of stuff. So yeah, I, I was just I was just thinking about X Men because if you think about what X Men is about, if you take take out the characters but talk about the core message about people being different and diversity and how 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 people who are who are not the same get treated it is interesting that in the early x-men films they're not very diverse at all apart from the character of storm there mm. aren't many other ethnicities in x-men there. yeah nope. it's really weird when you think about it there's there's um in some of the earlier ones actually going back to kind of the 70s there's uh there's a few Kind of uh, Asian characters. Um, uh, I forget the name of. But you, you're talking about the comics, though. I'm talking about the films. Sorry, yes, yeah, within the comics. So, I mean, yeah, but you, but even within the comics as well, it's it's still, um, it's still relatively limited. Even though um, Stanley was uh, a big advocate of diversity within his comics and. There's a lot of stuff that broke through in Marvel Comics in the kind of 60s and 70s. But yeah, it was still predominantly white. What are, what are your takes on the idea of kind of characters as vessels? Kind of picking up on what, sort of what Dan was saying about how the, sometimes uh, the, the message of a character can be more prevalent than their look. Uh, at times, I guess, you know, using X-Men as an example. But if, you know, the idea within, let's say, a comic book universe, if you to take a character and change elements of them, are you kind of like, you shrug your shoulders at it? Or is it like, no, 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 you know, you, you, can, you, can't, you, you can't just make someone uh, a different race or, or, or sexuality or gender or anything like that? Is that like a hard and fast rule for you guys, you think? Hmm. Damn. <laughs> it, I think it, it it depends because the problem is if if you if you come into a film and you have 
any kind of preconceived ideas of what the, those characters are, you know, you read the comics or you read the, or you watched the previous films or there was a TV series or a cartoon. It, it's very, it, it can be quite jarring to then see what you thought those characters were going to be, be something completely different. But it, it does depend on, you know, is the essence of the character still there? Do you, do you recognize that character, mm. but they've taken some creative um, liberty? Uh, they've updated them, for example. I, I think that's, that is one thing that, for me, whenever I encounter a character that's based on a comic or based on something that I, you know, consumed when I was a kid, I know that things have to change. Things have to evolve. And I respect that from a creative standpoint, that that character does have to change. But as long as I think they're recognizable and you can see that, you know, this is, you know, they, they are still the same character um, and the changes aren't completely, you know, they 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 don't dis they they don't they make some kind of sense. They don't completely defy logic that this character is now this, you know. Whereas before, you know, suddenly they're they're fascist. Whereas before they were pacifist. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? As long as you've kind of got the balance i mean i think with with wolverine being an interesting one that his his presentation you know hugh jackman's presentation of that character there's many differences between the stories and the comics it's it's not always kind of consistent and it and it's quite kind of almost you know that the storyline is is reminiscent of a comic book arc but you know it's gently riffing on it. It's not the same thing. But I think, you know, you're you're more forgiving because you can kind of see, okay, well, they're they're sort of referencing that storyline. There's similarities, but the overall kind of plot and characterizations are different because, you know, they've they've evolved that story and creatively they've done something different with it. I think that's fine as long as you can recognize and sort of be able to stay with that character and then it's like you get if if the quality of the writing is good then you get taken on a different journey it's almost like your perception evolves because you now see your character within the film within the film universe and within the the, the you know the new stories that have been um told yeah. and you're taken away from what you thought the comic was and you yeah. become less and less um, worried about it because you're like, okay, I I love this character and I, I kind of love where it's going. I remember when um, Spider Man Far From Home came out. I don't know the context that Tom Holland said this under, so it was obviously part of a conversation they were having, I think, in an interview. But he said that he would be very happy to play Peter Parker uh, as gay if that's if the story required it. And I, I guess this was a, again addressing a level of. Uh, diversity and I think he was you know I, I again I don't know the context that it was said but he said he'd be very happy to to play Peter Parker gay basically as a gay guy and uh, that was a hugely as you can imagine a, a, a much talked about uh, divisive thing where some people were very supportive and other people were like no no Peter's not gay 
Um, and uh, on LBC, they had a call in about it. And it was a really fascinating conversation, like about well, fascinating series of conversations with people uh, claiming to be sort of comic book loyalists, enthusiasts, kind of calling up and saying, you know, you're changing his story. You know, it's, uh, it, you know, he's he, he has enough angst in his life already trying to juggle being a superhero in schoolwork. You can't make him gay now as well. It's too much. And uh, one person called up and they had, this was a sort of a, a somewhat of a valid point. And they said, but it's it's Pete peter and mj you know like that's that's the love you know mary jane watson that's his you know that's his lowest lane so to speak and um and that that's why they were opposed to the idea of of you know them changing peter's character to be played as as gay uh the conversation with the the host kind of evolved and they talked about um uh bond and about like it, the the concept of Idris playing Bond, and the the the, get, the caller sort of said, yeah, they would be happy with you know a, a black man playing Bond because characters he looks at them as vessels, and then the presenter said, so on that note, couldn't MJ be played by a man for Spider Man? And the guy went, oh, <laughs> like you totally stumped me, yeah. I guess he. I guess if you make MJ a man, thus making Peter gay in the process, yeah, you I mean, kind you, of you still get the same. Oh, yeah, you, you, you wouldn't get it. You know, it wouldn't be well received. But I just like that. No, he snookered the get guy the same in his own story. argument. Yeah, yeah, you get. No, sorry, yes, you, yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah, you get the same story. It's still MJ, because, but it's not because MJ is such a such a key because MJ is such a pivotal character within the Spider Man story. Mm. You. If you were going to turn Spider-Man gay, you would conversely have to turn MJ into a man. Yeah. It, it, otherwise, it just wouldn't work, right? Yeah. So yeah. That, I thought that was a, an interesting kind of counter to his to the to the argument, but yeah. Sort of um, I was just gonna. I was gonna. Try, I was curious to um, about the point I raised earlier as to whether the comic uh, Black Nick Fury turned up before. Um, uh, Samuel Jackson and Mark Miller um, is the one responsible for turning uh, Nick Fury because prior to that he was a was an old white guy was a white oh, guy right. and um, he he's quoted as saying <clears throat> um, Sam as in Samuel Jackson is famously the coolest man alive both myself and artist Brian Hitch just liberally used him without asking any kind of permission you have to remember this was two thousand one when we were putting this together. The idea that this might become a movie seemed preposterous as Marvel was just climbing out of bankruptcy at the time. <clears throat> and um, when he, um, he he eventually met Samuel Jackson later on after the movie deal had been signed and uh, he apologised for completely exploiting the actor's image and uh, asked Samuel Jackson if he was annoyed. And Jackson replied, fuck no, man. Thanks for the nine-picture deal. <laughs> so... <laughs> that kind of worked out well, but yeah. No, so, in that instance, it was. I was just talking stuff out of my head, but in that instance, it was. Yeah, a comic version turned up for Samuel Jackson. Wow, brilliant. Um, I'm, I'm mindful of time, so I guess my concluding question to you guys is: Is there anything that we haven't discussed that they've done in a film or a TV show? Uh, obviously, with its roots in either a previous film or TV show or literary roots, is there anything that you? Uh, I want to cite as a final kind of, oh, I, I, why did they change it? <laughs> why did they veer away from what was a set thing? Is there anything that we haven't discussed that, that you guys want to mention? 
Mm. Uh, hand shot first. I'm end <laughs> well, I mean, Star Wars films is definitely something that we can't we can't end on that because it would take another hour to discuss. But I, I do think that the the final three films, rather than rather than extending the story and bringing you know bringing some new love to the fans who were a bit you know iffy about the prequels all it did was was put the nail in the coffin because they somehow managed to just defecate all over the the story the everything that had gone before in in the even in the prequels and the the original trilogy it they just took an almighty crap on everything that fans cared about um and everything that you know we we as kind of star wars fans we were so, we'd been so invested in these characters and they they went through hell to to bring about a new you know um freedom and and everything and it was all for nothing it it, it counted little because a bigger, badder version of that sprang up afterwards. So everything that we loved in the original films was just a complete waste of time. And they and and that was the thing that really jarred for me in those final three films. It's just like, so all you've really done is you've you've taken the essence of what was Star Wars, what 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 was good about Star Wars. And you've just torn it up almost whilst laughing in our faces and said, none of it matters. Ha, ha, ha. You thought you were going to get this. You didn't. And, oh, now someone else is going to, J.J. Abrahams is going to come back in and try and retcon it and make it okay. And he just made it even worse. Bye. (laughs) Uh, For yourself, Teej? Anything else? Uh, I, I always said headshot first. Oh yeah, you did. Yeah. No. Um, yeah. I mean, I, again, I'm just trying to think. I, I'm sure there's probably some comic book nerdy shit that's irked me massively at some point. Um, oh, I've got one that we forgot. No. So. Oh, I've got one. So yes. Go on, I, so. I was just going to say. I think all three of us enjoyed the original Lord of the Rings trilogy. And then when they revisited it and did, and rather than just doing The Hobbit as kind of like a a kind of fun prequel kind of kids film that it was always always intended to be, they did another trilogy where the, the, the second and third films were pretty much just like, let's just, Let's just kind of find an excuse to have another big battle. Dollar, dollar uh, bill, y'all. Yeah, and it's just like to earn to earn money, and it's just like, what what are you doing? You made you made billions from this. Why would um, I forgot the name of the uh, director? What's his name? Uh, Peter Jackson. Peter Jackson. Peter Jackson. Yeah. yeah, I kind of feel like how did they manage to twist his arm when? It, he, he dollar, dollar bill, y'all. 
Yeah, he must have stupid amounts of money. Not well, he's been vocal about what, yeah, he, how opposed he was to it. He regrets the whole thing. Apparently, he's he was very unhappy about it. Yeah. Oh, well, so yeah, too late he, for that. He, yeah, he talks about being kind of coerced into it, and he he didn't think they had the material for it, and uh, so yeah, he's, um, he's on he's on your side. Very quickly for my ones, mm. uh, the end of Watchmen, oh, no. uh, which pissed me off no end at the time. I've, I've come to peace with it now, but it uh, it really, really irks me um, how they changed that ending. Right. We did That's a whole it. hour episode about it as well, didn't we? Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. That, that, that one, that one cut deep. Right. Which, which is uh, kind of ironic because apart from the ending, they... The rest of it was fine. Yeah. They, the, the guy... Um, Schneider almost made a uh, what do you call it? Not frame for frame. What do you call it on a comic book? Shop, shop, yeah, panel, well, panel, panel, panel for panel. Shop, yeah. Panel for panel. Um, yeah. Panel for shot. Yeah, you're right. Uh, yeah. Version of of the film. I'm, I'm, I know there was some there's some criticisms of some of the characterizations and stuff yeah, like that, and fair. a few scenes. But yeah. He, uh, Schneider, actually paid public, possibly the most reverence to the original material that anyone's ever done anyway, and then he and completely then ripped up the it ending. sideways at the end. <laughs> That's the like, original please. case of not sticking a landing, yeah. yeah. Um, my, uh, another one I very quickly thought of was uh, in X-Men Origins, I think, the Wolverine, the first Wolverine movie. Yeah, first standalone Wolverine movie. Um, Ryan Reynolds' depiction of Deadpool in that <laughs> Jesus Christ, that was horrific. And luckily, he rectified it with an outstanding actual Deadpool movie. But when that shit came out, that was oh, that was rough, horrendous. And at the time, Deadpool was one of my favorite characters as well. So that yeah. that one hurt my soul. <laughs> That, that was atrocious. But I need to just because we're talking about X, uh, sorry, um, Watchmen, the Watchmen TV series is probably the first time. Have you seen it? I have not. I need to watch. I really need to watch. Okay, it. well, I won't do any spoilers. But I think for me, it was the first time I watched something that was, and I, I'm not going to give anything away. But it's kind of it, it somehow manages to be have continuity and it somehow manages to be in the same universe and whilst at the same time introducing new characters and a new storyline and doesn't, doesn't need to retcon anything. It it just somehow manages to comfortably build on what went before. Sounds a little bit like what they could have done with the Ghostbusters 2016 movie. Oh, there you go. Oh, no. Look how I brought that background full circle. And on that note, <laughs> uh, uh, that, that's probably the place to end it, I guess. Uh, uh, thank you both very much. Um, it's uh, Yeah, super cool episode. Um, uh, I don't know what we've learned. I'll have to sit down and assess it and just see what we've learned. Nothing, what we've as learned. usual. Yeah. <laughs> as usual, yeah. <laughs> uh, thank you very much all for tuning in you can find us at forever in electric dreams.com uh, and we'll be back uh, fairly soon uh, with episode 51 that's something to look forward Ooh. to 
so from myself, um, uh, Dan Colocott and TJ Southern, thank you very much for tuning in. And until next time, my friends, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye.